0: just look down the tunnel and see the field and the stadium and then Mike Tice caught up to me and looks at me and says talk to the owner if we don't win tonight we get fired my immediate response at the time was all right bring it on you know let's go
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. It's another edition of Skull Stories. I'm Mike Wabshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network, coming to you from TCO Studios, and Egan joined, as I am every single week by Mark Rosen to walk you through Skull stories. What's up, Rosie? Hey, Wabi, yeah, and stories, I think, is the optimum word when it comes to Vikings-Packers
2: week, and we yeah. are very pleased to have with us and this conversation about their memories of the Vikings-Packers when it comes to this rivalry. Uh, Kevin Sievert, the national NFL writer uh, for ESPN.com. How are you, Kevin?
3: I'm very good, Rosie.
2: How's it going? Doing great. Thanks for uh, jumping in on this, uh, and I know um, I can... You know what? Just sitting here being in this in the aura of Pete Bursich, I can feel his blood pressure going up right now just with the sheer mention of the Green Bay Packers. I worked with you long enough, Pete, to know that anytime we previewed the game, let's say in Sports Sunday, man, you had that—that you just a sort of smoke started coming out of your ears. Well, I allow myself to be a fan twice
0: a year, and that's or three times sometimes, but twice a year for sure. Whenever we play Green Bay, I grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, was drafted, came up here. The one thing that the vikings and the bears have in common is our mutual dislike for the team that lies in between so yeah this game this yeah this game means more uh to me than any other game during the year it's on a different level it's emotional it i allow myself to be a fan uh at least at least for you know
2: especially in lambo especially in lambo so uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Well, this shows more about our memories having to do with the Vikings and the Packers. We may uh, delve into a little bit about what to expect this Sunday. But, Kevin, let's start with you as a writer. Um, what comes to mind when you think of the Vikings-Packers? I know I have some games in mind that they clearly stand out. But from your perspective, uh, what do you think about?
3: You know, I always – I mean, there's so many different things. But I, I always think of the two playoff games that I covered, uh, both of which were in Lambeau. I mean, we know, as you guys just mentioned, how intense – the rivalry is even just for a regular season game. Um, when it gets to the playoffs, it's uh, it goes up to that, you know, just such another, another level. And those two games, I think one was in 2003, mm-hmm. one was in uh, you know, maybe was it 2013 when Leslie Frazier was the coach? Th- those games, um, had very surprising uh, beginnings and endings, I thought. Uh, and both had a lot of drama as well.
2: And, and Pete, um, I, I think that. F- for for most Viking fans, uh, unless you go back to well, uh, I can recall some of the old 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 games. In fact, remember the the Packers and the, they used to play also at County Stadium in Milwaukee. They used to share yes. the uh, the facility. It wasn't all that was line, up well,
0: until 1993. I believe yeah, it that was they crazy. did that.
2: Yeah, and and uh, I, I never quite understood how that worked, but they managed to make it work. But for me, and I think uh, for many Viking fans of this era, uh, 1998 is the game.
0: Randall, deep again. Adjusting his moss, oh, and then oh. Randy Moss squeezes his way in for the touchdown. It is unbelievable. He just throws it up, and these guys catch the football. This is like a circus out here with these guys. Randy Moss is the best young receiver that I have seen, maybe ever.
1: Randy, you have
2: arrived. That night, that rainy night in Green Bay Lambeau Field, which not only changed the complexion of the NFC North, but really changed the way the Green Bay Packers had to attack uh, their own defense uh, with Moss right. around for a while.
0: Well, I, I, you when you sit back and and look at Lambeau, it, it me it, it's no, I think no coincidence that my first game, first game I got to suit up for and playing was in Lambeau. And then my father, who was on the Dallas Cowboys in 1960, his first game was also in Lambeau oh, Field. So wow. that's, that's irony. Um, but that I remember going in to Lambeau that year and they had had a 20, and I don't know if Wabi looked this up, but they had a 20 some odd game yeah. winning streak at right. home. So you figure at eight, nine games a year, if you count playoffs, I don't know if they did in that, but that's, that's over two seasons you know what I mean that's a huge that's a huge accomplishment because all teams say you know we want to win at home we want to win at home they were unbeatable at home for a long time through 97 through 98 and to go in there and hang over 500 yards of offense on them was just was just a thing of beauty and, and I I the other part of that game was I played and and I didn't I don't think I started but I played linebacker from for almost all mm-hmm. of that game. Great. As well, so that was it was just nice to make that you uh, know to be able to do all those things to special teams and then play linebacker and you know i re, I just remember Jeff Brady getting in uh getting into it with fans and because he, <laughs> he he had uh at the time called out the gm on the way because Green Bay had cut Jeff, and you know jeff was was uh was the angry linebacker he was angry at everybody he hated everybody well I don't know if he hated everybody, but he was mad at everybody and called out the the gm in the paper uh earlier that week. So you know it was uh, Ron Wolf was the, was the guy at the right, time. Right. So yeah, so it was it was all those things together. But to go in there because number one in the NFL wins don't come by very often. But to go in there and do it that way, uh, man, that was an exclamation point on that season.
1: It was it was a twenty five game winning streak, guys, that for they had the, from the Packers it? at Lambeau Field, and when when Moss and you guys went in there and, and won that game, and everyone's eyes opened up to to Randy Moss.
2: Yeah, Kevin. I mean, getting back to that point, point uh, and all the years you've covered the NFL, Do you recall uh, a more seminal moment, really, where one player just dictated, especially as a wide receiver, um, how a, a team would say to themselves, "We can't, we can't, we can't handle this. We we have to figure out how to change things, not this year, but in the coming years."
3: Yeah, and I mean that that's why Randy Moss the first ballot Hall of Famer, and and that was the first game where we, people probably started thinking that as he changed the game and in in the case of the packers if you remember the year after that they drafted three cornerbacks like mm-hmm. three big cornerbacks i think they were all over 6 feet one of them i think was Al Harris um but they all were kind of built like him uh big guys over 6 feet that they thought they had to have in order to compete with with Randy and what they assumed would be a you know, a influx of similar type of receivers, um, you know, bigger, much bigger than cornerbacks, still as fast as the normal size receiver. And so, I mean, there may never, there may not have been a single player in the history of the NFL who like so, so specifically and dramatically dictated a, an opponent's draft uh, philosophy as Randy Moss did to the Packers the following year. And, you know, he continued to, to beat him up pretty good throughout. And I think that we all found out that, that, whether it was by rule changes or just by the way the game would develop at the lower levels, you would never be able to consistently find big enough cornerbacks who could run enough to defend Randy Mosses and what became the Terrell Owens and the, and the mm-hmm. Julio Jones and those type of guys. So, but if you, if you were to be a historian and you, and you, you know, traced it back to how, why were we, why is the NFL in this situation, which they like, by the way, of having, these dominant, you know, big time, big receivers, uh, you know, just largely unstoppable in a one-on-one or even a two-on-one situation. If you go back to Randy Moss in that game.
2: Was that, was it for, as a teammate, Pete, was that the eye opener? I mean, you've watched Randy in practice You watched him in a couple other games, but, was that the game we go? Oh my God! This man is something special.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I that game comes to mind, but also the uh, uh, Thanksgiving game in Texas. Oh, absolutely! You know, down against the Dallas Cowboys when the guy caught three passes for three touchdowns. I mean, yeah. you know that was the game. We knew, we all knew it. W- it was just funny because we knew Randy uh, was talented. And I remember when we after we drafted him and he came for minicamp, he had an ankle issue or something, and he, the rest of us uh, were just kind of like, okay, we'll wait and see. And then we got to training camp. And it took all of a day at training camp to realize that this kid is unbelievably gifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kenny can, you know, will it translate to the field. And, and you're absolutely right. His, his rookie year, he just took the entire NFL by storm. And because of guys like Chris Carter and Jake Reed also being part of the offense, defenses did not know what to do and you know we exploited that completely
2: well there was the Randy Moss mooning incident keeping with Randy Moss and the Packers theme of
0: all of all of Randy's incidents that <laughs> that one's my
2: favorite
0: by the way oh, Moss oh, Randy Moss
1: is in for a touchdown oh Al Harris playing all- and Randy Moss without even really being able to run as he shoots the moon to the fans here in Green Bay. That
0: is a disgusting act by Randy Moss and it's unfortunate that we had that on our air live. That is disgusting by Randy Moss. Let's get back to the play. Randy Moss, I don't even think that was called in the huddle. You see him start to the slant. Al Harris jumps it. He gives him the hand. Dante Culpepper fortunately sees what Randy Moss is wanting to do and lays it
2: out people don't understand. remember remember uh, uh, Joe Buck went crazy and how embarrassing it was that, moon, that he was mooning the fans yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, history yeah. behind all this <laughs> i mean think about that compared to what we have today
0: and how mild mannered that was i know and that it, it's um it, it's too bad because that's 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 part of the fun right of the of the whole league it's the i think it's part of the part of the fun of the whole thing and if you know about the rivalry between the the Vikings and the Packers and it is a friendly one by the way this isn't Philadelphia Washington mm-hmm. Philadelphia you know Dallas or the Giants i mean it's not it's not where we make up caskets of former players and bring them to that? tailgate yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a mud, it's a it's a better, it's a more friendly rivalry. You'll see Packer fans and Viking fans walking around outside and, you know, tailgating together. And then when you come in the stadium, it's, it's, uh, every man for himself. But for, you know, when Randy did that, I, you know, he, he did what so many of us. And so many of us that were Viking fans just wished we could do is just catch a touchdown <laughs> and then moon the fans. But so that have to do with the fans? I just love fans That's
2: would moon the, moon the bus, the team bus when they were leaving right. Lambeau. Oh, absolutely. Cause, Cause that was he, it, wasn't right, it? Right. You,
0: it's, it's unique for visiting teams because you don't stay in Green Bay. There's, there's not a hotel in Green Bay that can mm-hmm. hold the team without, that doesn't have a casino in it. <laughs> so we actually have to stay about a half hour away. And that's a long bus ride, and the bus ride is not. It's not. It's not the highway. Get off on the exit and pull into the stadium. It's a lot through back. You know, you're going through towns and small neighborhoods, and then you hit the tailgaters. And yeah, we'd see all kinds of rear ends and fingers and different things.
3: Rosie, that made it one of like I hate when I when people say something. Somebody's misunderstood, or something bad is actually not bad because it's just misunderstood. But that really was one of the most misunderstood moments Mm -hmm. of Randy Moss's career. And it started the Joe Buck thing was funny because he I think he thought he was actually doing something much uh, literally dirtier than mooning um, uh, the the crowd. I don't think it it could probably uh, fit a family podcast, but let's just say his interpretation of what Randy Moss did was not mooning. It was something much different in terms of pulling down his pants and so, um, and, and clearly didn't know the background and, and clearly didn't know the background no. of, of, as uh, Pete was saying of, of the fans. And the other thing that that came there is that the Vikings were so upset with Joe Buck that Red McCombs, who was the owner put out a press release, uh, demanding that, that Joe Buck not be allowed to work anymore. Um, uh, Vikings games. And in in, I think they were playing Philadelphia the following week and moving forward because he had shown such, uh, uh, he had so misrepresented what the Vikings thought Randy Moss had done. So he not only did, were, were, were the Vikings not upset with what Randy did, they defended him in the face of Joe Buck's furious criticism. Think about that. In a way that, yeah. uh, you know, that doesn't happen too often with all the things that are going on in the world and all the things that NFL teams have to worry about in the playoffs. The owner was putting out a press release demanding uh, a, new, a different broadcaster be assigned to his game.
1: Yeah, one of the uh, one of the iconic figures in this rivalry definitely Randy Moss. Now uh, we're gonna we're up against a break, so when we come back, uh, Mark, we're gonna ask Kevin Seifert about another iconic member of this rivalry, and then Pete story uh, Pete Bursich has a story about someone that Kevin just referenced, Red <laughs> McCombs. So we're gonna get to those. Those two skull stories. When we come back to the show, but first want to remind folks to join Muss along with Garrett Bradbury for Vikings Country on Tuesday, September 17th at Sunshine Factory in Plymouth, presented by Miller Light. You could win great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Light Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash Country for more info and a full schedule. And for more Skull stories with Mark Rosen, Pete Bursich, and Kevin Seifert, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey everyone! Welcome back to School Stories. Mike Wobshaw joined by Mark Rosen and two special guests to talk about this Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings rivalry, Kevin Seifert from ESPN and Vikings radio network analyst, Pete Bursich more from our discussion coming up soon. But first remember you can join PA and Paul Charchian at Buffalo Wild Wings in Edina on Friday from nine to noon for the Friday football feast. The feast is presented by Coors Light. Check out the complete schedule at Vikings.com and on the Paul Allen show page at KFAM. Dot com. Okay, Rosie, we have Kevin Seifert on the line, mm-hmm. who covered the Vikings for nine seasons with the Star Tribune and still covers the NFL. And of course, we have our friend Pete Bursich with us. You three, Rosie, have great school stories. We haven't talked much about Brett Favre yet. I think we should do that, Mark. And um, actually, Kevin started at ESPN right when Favre ended his retirement. So Kevin, tell us what that was like.
3: Well, what I what I remember is I, you know, the first training camp I visited that year was going to be Green Bay anyway, and obviously there that was the time when we knew Brett Favre wanted to come back, but the Packers had already given the job to Aaron Rodgers, and there had been some reporting that that if he wasn't going to be allowed back to Green Bay, the natural destination that he wanted to play in was Minnesota, and the Packers were desperately uh, determined to prevent that from happening for obvious reasons. And they eventually fired tam- uh, tampering charges against the Vikings, uh, because they thought that the Vikings were trying to, to, to orchestrate Favre's return. And I remember being there and talking, uh, talking to, to Mike McCarthy and he was uh, the head coach at the time and he was, um, he was standing at the, uh, at the microphone stand. And we asked him about it, and, he, and if I, I looked at his hands, and his hands were holding on to the microphone stand, and they were like, you know, totally white. He was squeezing the you know what out of that thing, <laughs> and and he said something along the lines that we, you know, we basic like, you know, what's your your take on this situation? And he goes, well, I'd really like to give my take on that, but right now I'm just going to squeeze this microphone stand so hard I'm going to break it instead of saying what I really feel. Wow. And that was that you know didn't really make the round. I probably would have made the rounds a lot more now with social media and that sort of thing. Even then. Uh, you know, Twitter and all that weren't around, and there wasn't a way to to sort of spread that viral moment. But he was like, it wasn't just an act. It wasn't just like the Packers didn't want mm-hmm. you know the Vikings to potentially get better. They were angry at the Vikings. They were angry at Favre. They were like, they basically thought their whole season was gonna was being you know you know, you know com- spontaneously combusted by his you know in their mind selfish desire to come back after he'd already told them he wasn't going to and 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 it really did derail their season they didn't make the playoffs and and it um and eventually far did get over to the vikings the following year but that they were like it just stood out to me and it always will like how genuinely angry they were it wasn't just competitive you know concerns it was like pure anger especially on his part that this had come up in the, in the training camp the year after they had gone to the NFC championship game.
2: And it's still astonishing that it's been Favre and Rodgers and that's been it for so many years where teams go through quarterbacks you know like water. I mean it's just it's nuts. Meanwhile, Pete you uh we were talking about Red McCombs a little bit earlier. You have a little anecdotal yeah. story about uh, the former Vikings owner.
0: Well, we we brought we had uh, discussed the playoff game uh before, and one of the one of the interesting points with that was uh I had the opportunity when when at the time there was construction and some things going on with locker rooms and whatnot. So the tunnel, at least the walk to the field was was extremely long. And I'm walking through the tunnel to get to go on the field right before the game, before you know, we started stretching and everything. And, have, and then Mike Tice caught up to me, and as we're walking through the tunnel, and and you just you can just look down the tunnel and see the field and the stadium. And the Mike looks at me and says, "Talk to the owner if we don't win tonight, we get fired."
1: Really?
0: You know. And so wow. in, my, in my in my immediate response at the time was, "All right, bring it on." You know, let's go. It's not. Uh, That's fine. That's the fake. Let's, if we have to win this game, then we'll win this game. And I remember early on, Chris Claiborne on a play that we called under Will Wax. I remember the blitz and the whole thing is, is he came underneath, hit an A gap, came underneath and hit Favre. And he was not the same the rest of the game. And I think he threw three interceptions that day. Brian Russell, I think had one. I can't, you know, I can't remember everything about the game, but, uh, that one play. Just kind of changed everything and no one, no one would expect us to go in there and win, you know, to win. Uh, but we did and we were all awarded one year contracts and <laughs> a year later we were all gone. But, um, that it's, I think for fans, um, uh, it's important to know sometimes what's at stake. I mean, this is a game. I understand that, but livelihoods and, and careers and, and all those things are always on the line. But, for it to be that on the line, that black and white, uh, really, you know, it, it just, it makes you think. And I always, I always think about that when I go to Lambeau Field, was about that win and having to, to win a game to maintain your job.
2: Well, I'll give you one of my unforgettable moments covering the the, the game. We were, reporters are allowed on the field the last two minutes of the game. So I'm down on the field. This is the Antonio Freeman, Chris Dishman play. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, 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 uh, for everyone watching at home or, uh, really on the field, it looked like, he was down. He didn't have the ball. Freeman gets up, runs in for the, the game-winning touchdown. Everyone's stunned on the Viking sidelines. I'm running on the field because we were allowed to do interviews on the field at the time. I'm interviewing Tyrone Carter and ask him what just happened. Denny Green jogs past us and bumps into Carter. Like in other words, get your butt off the field right now. Do not say <laughs> another word. Whoa! And then we got in the locker room. I'm asking Denny. Well, what, what happened on that play? He goes, ah, that's ancient history. We don't talk about those things. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened 15 minutes ago. But that was yeah. a, a, one of those moments you just don't forget about. And then you go over to Carl's uh, Butterburger and have a double Butterburger and forget about the whole thing as a reporter. So,
3: Mark, that was a, a Denny Green special. Like was, I don't know if you was remember it? the 1999 game in Green Bay. The Packers were losing. They had fourth down uh, at like <laughs> 20, and Favre threw a fourth down touchdown pass. I'm pretty sure to Corey Bradford. Oh, boy. Um, and and they uh, and they won the game uh, in you know typical far fashion. It might have been the very last play of the game. You know, we go straight to the locker room. We go to Denny what you know what happened on that fourth down uh, play, and he goes, "Oh, that's yesterday's news. We don't know <laughs> Today's news. It'll be yesterday's news tomorrow, but today it's today's news. So, but he, he that was a, a Denny Green special. That was his way of uh, of moving on, even if it was immediately moving on, fifteen or ten to fifteen minutes right. later. Well,
2: again, from a, either a player's perspective, a writer's perspective, a broadcaster's perspective, all you guys know are fans' perspective. There is something special walking into Lambeau Field yeah. uh, that's unique in the National Football League and for fans. For yeah, it's Purple a nauseous fans, feeling you get when you walk in there. <laughs>
1: that's
2: that's the, what's unique. That's the, Pete, you just will not uh, let it go. You cannot, you, you need some help here, my friend. Uh, it is special, and the Vikings and the Packers will renew that rivalry, of course, on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's an exciting time, and it's early in the season, Mark. Um, the, you know, the the winner of this game will be 2-0 and will feel like they're in control of the NFC North, but there's still 14 games to go. Correct. Uh, but for some reason, this one always feels like a little more than 1-16th of, of the schedule. Much so. better
2: playing him in September than December.
1: No doubt about yeah. it. No doubt about it. <laughs> oh, and, uh, of course, <laughs> you can catch that game right here, FM 100.3, the fan, and on the Vikings. Vikings Radio Network, Pete Bursich, will be in the booth with Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, calling the game. Former Vikings Ben Lieber and Greg Coleman will be on the sideline. Kickoff noon central time. The pregame show is hosted by Must. That will begin at 10 a.m. Kevin and Pete, thank you for joining us. We loved your Skull Stories tonight. Rosie, always fun doing this with you. It's, it's a pleasure. A it was a blast, and we'll have another one next week, all right? All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That's it for tonight's episode of Skull Stories. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, Skull Vikings.